You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 144 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, towards the end, I get a really good idea. And this idea, I did not get myself because my guest helped me get this idea. So I guess we got the idea together. And the idea has also become the title of this episode, Play Well. And if you want to know what the idea is, then you're just going to have to listen to the whole episode. I'm not going to give any spoilers. And in this episode, my my guest is a good friend and psychedelic psychonaut colleague. He's also the one I recorded an episode with whilst ingesting psychedelic truffles. And uh, way before that, we also did a normal episode. So this is his, I think it's his fourth or third appearance. And it's always a pleasure. So uh, here is Mark. So thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here. Could you tell the listeners a bit about who you are, apart from being my friend, uh, unfortunately? But, uh, you know, uh, tell people what you do and things like that. All right, well, uh, I'm a te- technician on a railway. Uh, I'm, I'm a qualified engineer. Uh, I, I don't exactly study alchemy, but I'm interested in it. Um I see alchemy as a bit of a more of a spiritual thing than the actual, more so than the practical side. Um, I've travelled quite a bit. Uh, you know, stayed with some indigenous people in Africa and uh, South America. Uh, trekked through the Himalayas and uh, India. It's uh, it's starting to sound a bit boring. Do you have anything interesting to 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 say? Um, well, I'm just a, 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 a. It's my life experience. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can tell you more about me. Uh, you know, I've recently, uh, I, I haven't. I've been out of work for quite some time. I've uh, had a, recently had a heart attack. Uh, I've got problems with my legs. Uh, I've got a. Uh, I don't know the technical words. Claudication. It's like a blocking up of my arteries. Um, and I'm I'm sort of a bit in limbo at the moment. I'm still I'm waiting to find out whether I can return to work, which is the moment looking a bit unlike doesn't it just sound like you're a, a lazy cunt <laughs> <laughs> well yeah okay so we were just joking about uh so of course uh, uh i didn't mean any of it <laughs> it was just to catch you people off guard so uh yeah so you've been on the podcast before uh many years ago actually and uh, we were then talking about things I can't remember. Uh, but we've been to Gabon and uh, to Peru and done Iboga and Ayahuasca. And uh, you mentioned a bit 
when I uh, said it was boring, but <laughs> it's not. Uh, you mentioned that you, you had a heart attack. Can you um, uh, explain in detail what happened? Well, I've always considered myself fairly fit. Um, I, I live in an apartment, so I have to climb stairs to get to my apartment. I was uh, coming home one day uh, with some shopping. I got to the top of the stairs and I got, in the, I got into my apartment and had a pain in my chest. I sat down and wasn't sure what it was. I mean, the last thing once someone expects is that they're having a heart attack. So I just waited till the pain subsided and put it down to indigestion, really. Uh, carried on with my day. Everything was fine. The next day I was out having dinner with some friends and uh, I just felt a little bit under the weather. So I said, oh, look, you know, I'm going home. So I came home, walked up the stairs without any baggage this time. And, um, yeah, got the same pain, probably worse. I contacted uh, my nephew, who's a paramedic, explained to him what was going on, and he said I was having a heart attack. I, I sort of thought it was a little bit over the top, but he insisted that I called an ambulance. I did that. Uh, they sent a paramedic first. Uh, he done some tests and confirmed that I was having a heart attack. Went into a hospital and um, ended up having a triple uh, heart bypass. And at any point, were you scared or nervous about death or pain? Mm, no, not really. Uh, having experienced some of the things we have with the shaman, death doesn't really frighten me. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't sit here thinking, oh, death, death will be a pleasant experience, but uh, it doesn't frighten me. No. I uh, was wondering when you were in the hospital, were you staying alone or did you have any other people in your room? No, there was four people in the room I was, I was in. And and uh, you told me this before, but didn't you mention that one of them was like a upper class person? Uh, yeah, yeah. There was all, all walks of life in there, yeah. Yeah, because I, I thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, at that point, it, money can't save you. <laughs> no, it's true, yeah. <laughs> And when you when you had the heart attack or the operation, you didn't have any near death experience. It was just uh, normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I was quite surprised because I was talking to the guys that were in my room, and they were, it was strange because I was probably the youngest person in there. Um, and they that some of them had had trouble with their heart before. Uh, they seemed to know a lot more than I did about what was what the procedures were happening. You know, we, we were going through. And uh, they explained to me that they would go in and do an angiogram, which is where they put a wire up. They, they actually end up through the wrist and then go all the way up to your heart. <clears throat> and they, and they, I think they can see this on a screen. And then if they find a blockage, they said, oh, they put a stent in it. And then that's it. You know, you sort of a day's recovery in your home. I thought, oh, well, that's, that's not too bad. <laughs> but then when I went down and had my angiogram, I fell asleep at the procedure, and um, they woke me up and said it's all, you know, it's all done. And I thought, oh, that was good. And then they said, yeah, we'll have you back in for uh, open heart surgery. <laughs> so, so I was a bit shocked. When you did this, uh, when they did the surgery, you, you didn't remember anything from that. You were completely asleep. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't remember any of the surgery. I remember coming round from the surgery. That was quite a traumatic experience. Uh, they they'd had a crash in the 
theatre that I, you know the I was in intensive care and, and they'd had a crash with someone and so all the people were busy so I came round and there was no one there to help me I didn't know what was going on I was in massive pain uh, and I, I just didn't know what was going on it, it was it's surreal <laughs> I, I wondered if I'd actually died you know before when we were smoking DMT before you had your heart attack you said that it was some there was some sort of pressure on your heart right or chest when i smoked dmt i did get like a pressure feeling on on in the center of my chest yeah uh which i i thought was down to dmt i just you know because i smoked it a few times and got this same feeling uh, which with hindsight now i probably think that was probably a dodgy heart that <laughs> was causing that so do you think that it was causing it because you're uh, afraid of the DMT experience or you have adrenaline rush or do you think it's the DMT itself? Uh, I mean, this is only an opinion. I mean, I'm not medically, I couldn't say, but I would imagine that it's the extra strain on the heart from the DMT, you know, because you're sort of more alert, you're more sort of, you're there, you're sort of experiencing a lot of things that, you know, that, it, that the heart's probably work, working that much harder. And uh, that's the pressure I was feeling. So if you take like uh, mushrooms or LSD, do you think you would feel a chest pain then? Or is it just the DMT because it's stronger? I think it's the DMT because it's... I, wouldn't, I don't know if you say because it's stronger or it might just be a different way that it affects you, you know? Because you... I mean, we're both a bit worked up before and we work each other up, I guess, but... So I think it's maybe more the adrenaline because we're not that nervous before we do mushrooms as we are smoking DMT. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah, that, that could be a factor. Yeah, definitely. You know, I do. I do. You know, even to the thought of the smoking a bit of DMT now is sort of, you know, <laughs> it's quite sort of a, there's a there's a there's a, a respectful fear there. I on occasion smell the pipe instead of smoking it. Smelling it is is enough. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I I, I have uh, obviously you know where I extracted the DMT. I've got some bowls which I I haven't cleaned, and sometimes I get them. I have to move them in the cupboard and I smell them, and it's you know you get a little bit of a nervous twinge. Uh, what would you say would be? the best advice if somebody wants to make it what any uh, uh, trial and error advice that you've experienced well i i've i've made it many times now and uh each time i've seemed to follow the same procedure and i get totally different results sometimes i get a really good batch sometimes i get nothing at all um so i can't really give any proper advice you know, it, it, it's, it seems to have a little bit of a mind of its own. If it decides it wants to work, it'll work. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've had more successes than failures. Yeah, it's strange how we did the process exactly the same and, and one time nothing came out. Yeah, this is it. I mean, whether that is because, the, you know, we're using a route, aren't we? And if it may be a, a batch of route that perhaps hasn't got much DMT in it, I don't think that is the case, though, because you'd get something, you know, 
but we've had it from the same batch of root. You know, the, you know I, I can't see the a powder being separated. You know, being that separate in a, in, a, in one packet. You'd expect to get some DMT, even if you got less. But to have none seems strange. I think I don't know. You know, I could I could go as far as saying uh, the spirits have to be with you. <laughs> And what would you say if any uh, law enforcement is listening to this? I don't think it would be any of their business. You know, we're grown adults. We know what we're doing. I can't remember who said it, but I don't think any... No, actually, I think it was Bill Hicks, but he was talking about mushrooms. But I think his quote works better with DMT when he go... I would go... I'm glad it's against the law, because <laughs> 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 it's so powerful. In a, uh, because it's not it's not something I would recommend anyone do recreationally. I would always advise people to have someone with them when they do it. You know, uh, it, if it was legal, a lot of people who perhaps aren't in the right frame of mind may try it. You have to be in the right frame of mind. You know, you have to be at peace with yourself. I think um, it's not. It's not. Uh, I wouldn't put it, put you know, use it as a remedy for sort of depression, for instance. Oh, I don't know if it would work for depression because uh, I was kind of depressed free when I did smoke DMT the first time and ever every time since. So I don't know how it would help. That's it. I mean, there may there may be somebody out there who can perhaps contact you, you know, and say, "Oh, yeah, you know, I did it when I was depressed, and it did this." You know, you know it be it would be interesting to find out. I had a guest a while back uh, that wrote a book about the history of DMT, and and he said something about some people had one hit and uh, it helped them, and they never smoked again. I I can totally understand that. I'm, I'm the, I'm, I, you know, do you remember our first time? I was so so surprised at the power of it. You know, it was, it was amazing. It's just that it's so so quick that it's. I mean, you can process more things if you drink ayahuasca, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it, I've tried to sort of think in my own mind whether it, whether I can compare it to ayahuasca or not. It's so fast and so short and so short-lived. With the uh, what 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 do you call that when you don't remember a dream? Is there a word for that? Where it fades so quickly. So if you don't grasp it quickly and perhaps even write write down notes on what what you experienced, you may lose the whole experience. Yeah, but you you seem to have more a more difficult time with that because I usually remember. Uh, I mean, I remember the events, and and I mean, it fades over time. But uh, I guess I I also write it down quite quickly afterwards. Yeah, I, 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 I wish I had because what I, what I think happens, you like we we share our experience, yeah. And so I've said it when when, when I've and I, and, it, and when I'm explaining it to you, I'm just trying to piece it back together. You know, as best I can. So it's not exactly right. And then I don't know if I embellish on it at all. You know, sort of next time I tell I tell someone about it, 
am I telling them exactly what I told you or am I embellishing it a bit or am I missing bits out? You know, and then gradually you 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 create your own your own sort of memory of that experience, which may not be the real experience at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I just remember very vividly it happened more than once where you go into the other side and um, you, you know, when when the other side comes on very strong, there's always this like, oh, it's too much. Uh, and you and I try to look somewhere else or close my eyes or look anywhere else. And I realize there's no, uh, you know, there's no escape. That's quite scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember <laughs> that one of the one of these uh, ceremonies we did in Peru. The the light was so bright, it was it was dazzling me. And I opened my eyes, and it was pitch black, total darkness. You know, which it should have been because we were in the jungle in the, the night. You know, and then I closed my eyes, and sure enough, it's as though someone had a spotlight on me. And you know, it was like bright again. You know, it's amazing. But you're never smoking DMT again, you don't think? <laughs> you can never say never. But just from smelling it, it makes me shiver. You know, so I wouldn't see any reason to smell. I feel like for, for our experiences, I've done enough. You know, I understand. I, I, I'm not saying there isn't more to see, but I've seen enough. Does that make sense? Yeah, and also, I mean, maybe if you're worried about your heart and you smoke, maybe it will affect the experience as well. So, And I would be worried. I wouldn't want to be... You have to sign a release. Yeah, that, that would be another factor in it, of me not smoking. You're also uh, uh, almost a convicted terrorist, because uh, I think that story is quite uh, quite good. Uh, do you mind telling it? No, uh, no. It's a, a, my youngest boy used to live with me, um, and we were both. Well, I, I was uh, dabbling with chemistry in a, in an alchemical sense, and because I had materials here and equipment, he dabbled in making things that exploded, you know, uh, which I found, I found interesting myself. Uh, we made quite a few different things. You know, we made a stuff called uh, Negative X, which uh, is, a, is a powder that uh, reacts with water and explodes. Uh, we made gunpowder. Um, and he was playing about with flash grenades. Uh, we, we used aluminium and... Um, we were mixing that with um, potassium nitrate, uh, but he decided it may be better to use potassium perchlorate. Now, potassium potassium nitrate, you can bash it about and smash it, crush it, grind it, and it's fine. Potassium perchlorate, on the other hand, it ignites with friction. And what happened was he was he was. He'd made a batch up, and uh, I, I, as I say, I live in an apartment, so he was he was uh, igniting it on the balcony, uh, and then walking backwards and forwards, adjusting his mixture and stirring it with a paintbrush. But he had the um, 
he was doing it with a mortise and pestle and he had the uh, mortise on the side, or was that the pestle, I'm not sure which bit, which. Um, and he, just for a momentary lapse, in, you know, he picked up the pestle and ground it and it blew up in his face. So he had to call an ambulance. Um, that then they wanted to know what type of uh, explosion it was. Um, then they sent the police around and then we were arrested. And while we were arrested, they sent in the anti-terrorist squad, the anti-bomb squad, um, some one other department as well, our forensics. <laughs> and they took our place for a couple of days and sectioned it all off. We got in the, we were in the papers as terrorists. <laughs> I think we even made the six o'clock news. And uh, can you tell that story about the interrogation and the jars and that? Because it's quite funny. Well, it, because of uh, I, don't, if, I don't know if the listeners are aware of what we do with alchemy, but we work with a, a material we call golden water, which speaks for itself. Uh, so the, they were asking me if there was anything, because I keep all my stuff in the loft, they were asking if they went in the loft, would anything explode? Uh, my my um, solicitor had said to me, if he read this, read out a statement, after that, only answer, you have no further comment. Well, he had read out a statement, so when they asked me this question, I said no further comment. They were, they got quite frustrated, and so did I at the time because I had nothing to hide. Um, so I asked them to leave the room. Spoke to my solicitor. I said, "Look, I, I don't mind answering them questions." So then we we got them back in, and they asked the question again: "Is there anything in the loft that may explode if they touched it?" And I said to, to, to I said to them, "No, there isn't. But you may not want to open some of the containers up there." Because I I work with alchemy, I said a lot of that uh, the materials up there are e extractions from urine. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how they took that. You didn't see when you came home if they had opened any of those jars. Oh, they've been through everything upstairs, yeah. But they didn't uh, grab. Didn't you have some mushrooms or something? Oh yeah, I was I was trying to do a. A grow of mushrooms, not 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 very professionally. I've just done it in a bin bag with some uh, sterilised uh, uh, compost, and then I I I rolled up the black plastic bags and stapled them shut. And they were all ripped open, so they'd been in there, yeah. But they probably didn't know what it was. But isn't mushrooms legal in England anyway? No, they're 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 elite. The spores are legal, uh, but the growing of them isn't. And uh, your your uh, your son's fine now, even though he had an explosion in his face. Yeah, he had to have some skin grafts on his hand. He was lucky; his hands were in the way. His face only got uh, minor burns, uh, but his hands got fairly burnt. He's got uh, some very thick scar tissue that that sort of restricts slightly restricts some of the movement of his hand. Not 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 to any great extent, though. He's quite happy with it. And you're you you're also. Uh into jumping out of an airplane <laughs> not anymore i just wanted to get my license yeah so i i went and done uh i, I, I well first of all it started, all started with a charity jump 
uh, you know, a, a tandem where you, you're attached to another person. And I quite liked it, so I, I, I thought I'd like to try and get my licence. I'd see if I liked the sport, uh, which I went and did. Went, I went to Florida, but unfortunately on my first jump, I jumped out. Uh, the guy, they talk you down by radio, but you can't talk to them. And the guy was giving me instructions, but after a while, from my ground training, I realised he couldn't possibly be talking to me. He, I think he, he was watching the wrong person. And I'd gone right out of the drop zone. So I tried to get back, uh, which I did, but I had a terrible landing and broke my leg. So uh, I ended up in hospital in America for a couple of weeks. Then I, then I came back to have another week here in a, in a hospital here. And then I was off work for about five months. For, I, had the, I didn't have a cast. I had an external frame that was screwed into my leg. So, but then when I overcome that, on the next uh, the next year I went back and I completed and got my license. But you weren't nervous jumping again after breaking your leg. Oh yeah, yeah. But it was like getting back on the horse. You know, you have, you have to do it, don't you? you know, so yeah, I went back. So I've, I've done twenty two jumps now. But so, then I realised it wasn't really a sport for me, so I haven't continued. So which jump was the scariest? The first one you did or the first one you did yourself or the first one after your accident? Well, to be quite honest, I, 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 was, I, I was jumping with a lot of people and they, they, seemed, they seemed or appeared to have overcome their fear quite quickly. I, I was still really fearful right up to probably about my, my eighth jump. Every time I went up, my mouth went dry. I was absolutely... No. Once you jump out of the plane, you're fine. It's just the thought of doing it. Um, and then after that, yeah, I could jump out quite quite easily. But you said you didn't have any fear of death. <laughs> I have fear of getting hurt. <laughs> but is that the same kind of fear that you feel like before you smoke DMT? Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, very similar. So, uh, why don't you want to jump anymore? Oh, you have to do some solo jumps, and um, on my solo, I you do ten solo jumps, and you, you know you, you're not allowed to have anyone with you. So, when you're plummeting through the air on your own, there's, there's no perspective. It's just the same every time. You know, you can spin around, you can do sorts, you know, somersault and do what you like. But it just seemed a little boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I thought perhaps this isn't for me. I wonder if anybody has ever like who's done it a lot, if they ever jumped out and they you know they stayed up all night and you know when they do the jump they fall asleep and they're sleeping. Must have happened once at least. <laughs> well. It... I can't imagine it happening with you know a 120 mile hour wind in your face, but um, if it did, there's a safety device within the chute. If you if you jump out uh, and perhaps perhaps through fear you may pass out. Um, when you reach 1,500 feet, there's a safety device in your uh, in, in the chute that cuts the, the the cord and releases the chute, so you'll you'll come down fairly safe anyway. Yeah, so um, let's uh, one thing that I know you are very interested in, in some way, is uh, 
what's going on in the world in politics and uh, how would you summarize uh, uh, the events all of them <laughs> summarize it i'd summarize it as selfishness people don't seem to think about other people anymore it's it's, it's like you know that, that, that it seems through selfishness that people seem to have gone to the uh, uh, down the nationalist route you know so countries are you know very nationalist uh, they're against immigration uh, and integration you know uh, it's it's really hard to summarize because there's so many aspects you know with 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 with, with immigration i'm 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 not against immigration but i do agree that within Britain, which is quite heavily, uh, you know, sort of uh, populated with, with foreign national, foreign people, um, they don't. We don't integrate now. Whether that's peculiar to Britain, I don't think it is. I, th I think we do tend to stick to our own, you know. But whilst as long as we do that, as long as we don't integrate, then we don't know each other. And when you know the, the, the lack of knowledge, ignorance breeds fear. And the fear breeds hatred. So you you know you end up with a, not a very nice situation, really. You know, uh, there's there's also we we know. I mean, the the, the trumped up wars. You know, it, it's all about resources, about control. You know, it's nothing to do with like bringing. You know, uh, what, what's what's the word they use? Stability. Freedom, <laughs> you know, giving these people freedom. It's not about that at all. I mean, but I, I think a lot of people don't understand that, and I don't. I don't because I don't know it properly. You know, I'd like to go and live in a, a Muslim uh, country and find out what it's really like to live under them sort of rules. But I am because of the so many different factions. You need a hard ruler. You need. It's not the same as as ruling a a, a Western nation. You know. Uh, and, and and that's been proved by the instability in the Middle East now. You know where where they went into Iraq, took out Saddam Hussein. Iraq is now you know totally in turmoil. They went into Libya, took out Gaddafi. Now Libya is totally in turmoil. They've gone into Syria and and, and fortunately haven't been able to uh, depose Assad. And I've, I've literally just before you, you got you contact me, I was watching a video about Aleppo and how they're rebuilding, which is a great thing. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, yeah, I think there's hope for Syria if we if we can get the Americans and everybody out of there. But you know, when you see these pictures, because uh, as soon as somebody becomes elected or if somebody has a high position, uh, you know, the American president, the British prime minister, and all those people they always go down to Saudi Arabia and make deals. So it's not a conspiracy. It's uh, it's well known and they even talk about it openly. But I, I don't understand how normal people who vote, that doesn't seem to bother them. I think it's too big. I, th I think it's... A, it's the, the people, people at home will think about how much tax they pay, what their roads are like, you know, immigration, stuff like that. When it comes to arms deals with foreign nations, I don't think people quite understand. It's not the government themselves that do the arms deals. That's that's arms companies. But it's the, it's the governments that license them to do them arms deals. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there's all this, like, you know, the popular anti 
Muslim rhetoric that's going around all over the place. But nobody seems to have a problem with all the governments are, you know, in cooperation cooperation with the worst Muslim country, Saudi Arabia, who uh, treat their women worse than all the other Muslim countries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Human rights. I mean, they're one of the biggest human rights abusers. I mean, I mean, I was reading an article today about America. I mean, I think it's common knowledge that America holds the most prisoners of any country in the world. You know, um, and and the greatest number at this time. Um, they're they're huge. America has immense human rights abuses. They just hide it behind nice words. And it's like that, uh, I, I noticed you saw it, I did this, there was somebody who posted something about the Rothschilds uh, uh, and the World Banks, and uh, and uh, I said something about it, like I agreed, and then somebody else said that that's just pseudo or neo-antisemitism or something like that. And uh, I thought it was quite funny, you, you, you know, so it, it doesn't matter if you are a biggest, greediest asshole, if you happen to be Jewish, you can't criticize because then you become an anti-Semite. That's... Yeah, yeah. I, I, this, is a, this is a point which... <clears throat> how, how do you deal with that? Uh, Anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism are not the same thing. You know, uh, well, people will dis- disagree, I'm sure. Uh, but how can you take... A, a group of people, uh, and, and basically a religious group of people, because some people will argue that uh, the, the Hebrews are are a race, uh, so therefore the, the Jews are a race, yeah, uh, and they they just want to go back to their homeland. Well, that's not quite true because most of the people that returned returned from Europe, and the European Jews weren't weren't Hebrew originally; they they weren't from Canaan. So that's that, that's you can throw out the window. Um, and then, how can you say to a, a, peop, a group, this group of people, "There you go, you can have that country"? <laughs> people are already living there; they have an infrastructure. You know that that can only cause conflict. Uh, the, the the Zionist movement didn't uh, uh, choose Jerusalem to return to uh, as uh, immediately. They they went through a number of countries that they thought they may set up their new homeland, and one of them being Uganda. Yeah, which they took, which they decided not to, but they they they, they considered it. How can they consider going to Uganda? Uganda is a country that has its own people and its own infrastructure. You can't just go and make somebody else's land your own. And when people argue against this, I try I say to them, think if it happened in your own country. Suddenly, a a group outside of your country is told you can have it. <laughs> Would you sit back and just say, "Okay"? What about the the people who say that uh, they come from there? <clears throat> there are some, and the, the the majority of people that left Canaan moved into the surrounding areas of of, of other sort of uh, Arab nations, and they've lived quite happily amongst them Arabs for years. You know, why suddenly have they become violent? It was only when the European Jews went back. The, the violence began. You know what I mean? Uh, the ethnic, the ethnic cleansing. There was, a, there was a war. I can't remember the actual year back. Was it, was it in the 60s when they, there was a massive war when the Arab nations 
um, got together and attacked Israel. What what, they, what people don't seem to realise is Israel for six months had already been in ethnic cleansing. They destroyed hundreds of uh, Palestinian villages. They, they expelled hundreds of Palestinians. Yeah, before the Arab nations attacked them. You know, so people don't get that little bit of you know they, they seem to that little bit of information seems to be omitted from the from the history. How would you deal with you know if you say all those things in on TV, then you would just be branded an anti-Semite? Well, that that's that, that's their answer to everything, isn't it? The biggest weapon that the uh, Zionists have is the Holocaust. You know, and now if you if you believe the the, the, the stories. The, the Rothschilds funded the uh, concentration camps. So they, they, if, they, if they are Jews, they, they funded the destruction of their own people. Did they do that with, with, the, with this thought in mind, to use it as a bargaining chip? Because there's been other races that suffered gen- genocide, the Armenians, the Rwanda, and, and the, but they haven't been able to use it in that way well let's just talk about the same time period as the holocaust in the same time period of the holocaust when we say six million jews but was it six million people were killed in the concentration camps because it wasn't just jews there was russians it was you know many people from the warsaw pact um i i've heard stories that even big people with big noses yeah in case they were jews yeah i don't know if that's true so you know the, the six million may not be in have been made up entirely by the Jewish population. But 20 million people from the, from the Warsaw Pact died in the Second World War, but it hardly gets mentioned. As many people has be, have been murdered in the in Congo in the last 20 years, and that's not mentioned either. Oh, it's absolute genocide, isn't it? It's, it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. The, 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 some, of the, some of the things that are going on you know, in the Congo, Sudan... Uh, Somalia, Yemen, it, it, it beggars belief. You know, that it doesn't get reported on our news. Um, you know, the, China is, is, has got a big hand in, in Africa now. And they make that, you saw yourself when we were in Gabon. They're building big motorways, they've built universities. And obviously, they're not doing it out, you know, through altruism. You know, they're going to want something from it. And, and what they want from it is, is that. Although China is massive and heavily populated, they don't have a lot of arable land, so they need places to grow food, and obviously they will use Africa, you know, for that purpose. But they're, they're paying the price. They're, they're, you know, they're giving them the infrastructure. What do we do? Bomb them? <laughs> do you ever think there's going to be a, a a third world war, or or will it happen, or is it already happening behind closed doors? Yeah, I think this is it. I think this is the third world war. What we're seeing now. What will be the biggest um, destructive force? I think that we'll all have to deal with is global warming. You know, it's a climate change, which I think. I think personally, I think it's too late. I think we're. I think that the, the the climate change that we were afraid of has been set in motion, and now we've got to deal with it. There will be uh, sea level rises. There will be. Massive floods. A lot of people will get displaced. Now, will we work together, or will we all just try to look after our own? You know. 
what are the sides do you think is it uh, the west against russia or china or is it more complicated because for some reason it doesn't it i have sometimes this sense that russia and, and the usa's uh, relationship is that they show in the media is not really true that they're a bit closer friends than they really try to pretend we we sit at home and we're not privy to all the meetings that go on worldwide uh i believe there's a, a few factions yeah i think there is a, a a cabal of people who are trying to bring forward this new world order you know or one world order yeah and i obviously if you look at who's who's the military superpower then it's america is going to be the one that's going to be running it <clears throat> um but there is also a group groups that we, you know, we don't know of who are trying to fight that who they are we don't we'll never know because it's all done in such a covert way you know so you know there are groups i mean we, you've got bricks for instance haven't you which, which is made up of uh, uh brazil russia uh india china and south south america i believe is it You know, and and that's that's sort of the uh, sort of uh, other side, if you like. The, the, you know, the, the you know against what we call sort of the United Nations or or NATO. No, well, they're part of the United Nations. Also, I suppose you could say NATO would be the the opposite to that. I sometimes when I read about all this stuff and who's who's doing what and who is in control and uh, who is all this deals that are made and that i always think like how can they how can they even be asked i mean like i get exhausted just by thinking about it like isn't it just easier to just like ah fuck it just 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 sit back and relax <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, this is it well this is why like you, you know yourself like having seen what we've seen it doesn't matter yeah but then you live in two worlds you live in your spiritual world where This doesn't really matter. But then you li- you you live physically in this world, so it does matter to you, yeah. But then you have to say, is there an overlap? What's our purpose? If 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 we are spiritual beings, yeah, our our physical existence on this world is is a, is a flash in the pan. It's a seventy years. What's it for? Is it to sit back and watch? Or is it to, to take part and change, make changes? Yeah. And personally, I think it's to, it, it, to make changes. I think you'll be judged on what you do here. Yeah. And uh, I think that the, the, the goal is to come together and realize that we can we can achieve much more together than we can fighting each other. Yeah, but you know, when you have ten people in a room, there's always going to be some asshole who doesn't want to agree. You know, you're always going to find someone who's who's going to resist change. Change a hell of a lot of people. Change is a good thing, and and coping with change is even better. You know, it's exciting. Well, if everything was the same, I mean, it would be boring. But to like, so even what's going on today, the conflict going on today, is a little bit exciting in a sense. But to, but when it's costing people's lives. That's just not acceptable, is it? Well, in my mind, it's not acceptable, you know. Uh, and I and I think it's a quite a simple thing to change. 
yeah? Because where, where do we get most of what we, most of our um, beliefs, our creeds, you know, it, it comes from what we're taught when we're younger. So education is the key, you know, sort of to teach children. Today, this is our value. We work together. Human life is absolutely paramount. You know, you, you, like nothing matters more than human life, and then you deal with your problems. Other than outside of that, you know, it, but it seems to be the other way around. Every other problem seems to be more important than human life. Yeah, and also how so many countries, especially England and, and America, where they somehow manages to convince people that it's better to pay for healthcare. Yeah. Who are these people who? prefer to pay for it i've experienced like, as i say i had that accident when i was parachuting in america and i spent two weeks in an american hospital when i was actually first taken into the hospital the first person who came to the trolley as i walked in was a guy with a clipboard asking me for money you know what I mean? and i told him i was insured but he wouldn't have it he said could could you could i pay a little now did i have any credit cards and i said in the end i had to be rude and sat to ask me to piss off you know what i mean You know, I was in pain with a broken leg, and uh, all he was interested in was getting some money out of my pocket. It'd be funny if you like you put to sleep for an operation, and you wake up and uh, you discover that your wallet's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. I really wouldn't. You know, what I mean? they, but, but they they have a massive, massive department right that deal with finance, and I saw more of their financial people than I did of their medical people in all the time that I was there. They were they they came every day, because uh, they would they, they they then got in touch with my insurance and then they were asking me questions and they get me to sign papers. Oh, it was horrible. You know, what I mean? then I came back to the UK. I spent another week here in the UK in the hospital, and I didn't see a single person in that respect. You know what I mean? It's because it's a point of use. It's free. But also. Another aspect is in this debate is that they discuss, you know, should we pay for it or not, and how much taxes should we pay, and and all this, and should we pay for people who are not citizens or who who should get the free healthcare. But my my opinion is that Europe and North America, which is the West, I guess you could say, uh, the people living in those countries, they should pay for the healthcare for the rest of the world. Also, well, this brings me to another point. You know, what, we, what we keep mentioning here is paying, yeah, and it, it it's money. If you think about it, you know, there's a saying, isn't there? Money, the love of money is the root of all evil. I don't believe that's true, I, but I think the money, money, the root, the root of all evil is money. You can only say it that way about money in itself isn't evil, yeah, but the root of all evil. Is money. Whenever there's evil, you can always trace it back to money somewhere. If I know that if I have to pay five or ten percent more in tax, and then I know that every person in the world gets free healthcare, you know, I wouldn't mind. No, I wouldn't either. But I'm sure there are people that would. I've talked to some people, you know, on social media, and they, and all they go on about is why should should I pay? Why should I pay? You know. I've earned this money. Why should I pay? <clears throat> um, if you um, 
if you look at any problem, yeah, why why are we so behind in science? What what holds science scientific research back? Lack of money, yeah. What why isn't everybody getting the best healthcare possible? Lack of money. Uh, yeah, and and you can not you, you can use this on every single problem that you can imagine. It's lack of money, yeah. <laughs> what is money? It's a piece of paper. It's printed. It's something that we we value, yeah, because we're told to, yeah. If you have actually look at the world and who needs this money, it's seven billion people. Now I don't think there's any problem you could put on the table that seven billion people couldn't solve. You don't need money. Yeah, that's true. What about uh, this concept where everybody gets a salary regardless of if they work or not? I, I think that's the first step towards getting rid of money. You know, but but of course you've got to realise that once you once you pay that, yeah, that everybody gets that little bit of money, you may as well have given them nothing, because if everybody's got it, then prices will go up accordingly. You know, so it will be like having nothing, wouldn't it? You know, but but if everything's if there is no money, everything is free. Uh, so uh, some people will go pick up 10 cars and somebody else just one. No, I don't think they would, would they? Well, number one, you probably would have something to get to stop that happening. But even if if you didn't, why would you want 10 cars? What would you where would you put them? You know, what what, what would be the point? And not only that, technology's moving on. We won't have our own personal cars in the future because you'll just press a button and a car will be signalled somewhere to come straight to your door. You know what I mean? And it'll be electric, most likely. Yeah, but you're still going to have these people who grab more. You know, it's addictive. And again, and again, that, that, that comes with education. You know, children have to be taught that there's seven billion. You know, well, how, how much, how much, how many stories can you tell that, that are fact? Yeah, that are never taught in schools. Americans don't teach about the Indians and what they did to them. You know, there's, there's thousands of things. Education needs to drastically change and children need to be told the truth. You know what I mean? I wonder how much money there is in the world and how much each person would get if you split it up. <laughs> I don't know. I read uh, recently that the average like Westerner owns 300,000 things. Really? In what respect? Yeah, just like, a, you know, a TV, a bed, a pencil, underwear, and like, if you count everything in your home... Just, just looking around my room now, you know, I can see all the items, you know, and then in my kitchen I've got my plates, my cups, my knives and forks, you know, kettle, oven, cooker, washing machine, you know, goes on and on, doesn't it? Consumerism. See, I mean, we, we've got into this thing uh, of consumerism and the capitalist system, and that has taken over. Humanity has been taken over by capitalism, and it, it needs feeding all the time. It has to grow. It's like a, it's like a monster that just needs feeding. You know? Do you think you could apply the indigenous culture to the modern world where they live in like this 
communities that share everything, but the problem is there's small communities. That's the only way we can move forward, I, I believe. Uh, the human brain is made, is, is, has evolved to deal with communities of about 150 people. Anything greater than that, we start to have conflict. I imagine like uh, a few thousand years ago or a hundred thousand years ago, whenever it was, when all everybody in the whole world lived as indigenous communities. And there must have been uh, some group of people that say, said like, ah, screw this. And they left and began whatever became the modern society, you know, and uh, uh, if you could go back in a time machine and, and kill those people, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's this. I think that we put value on something that wasn't actually valuable, you know, which, which, which is diamonds and metals and things, yeah. Once we did that, people wanted to accumulate it because it brought them power. Yeah, and that's where we're at today. You know, if we can, if we could take away that sort of that that belief that inanimate things are worth more than life, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's ridiculous. I remember in, when I was a child. I don't know if you know the He-Man action figures, and there's also the Transformers, uh, you know, toys. I remember when I was a child, like uh, six, seven years old, the most popular kid was the one who who had most of them or the biggest ones. And uh, there was a couple of kids my age in my street, and uh, I come from a big family, as you know, and so my parents couldn't afford a lot. And they got the latest um, cars, you know, like matchbox type cars. And uh, I remember I used, to I used to stand watching them play with them because I didn't have any. <laughs> it, it was I wasn't jealous, but I was I was a little bit upset that I couldn't join in. Yeah, but what I mean is like that's a microcosm of of the adult world. Uh, it's just the same thing. And uh, people want the bigger house or more cars or the latest cars. So it's basically just childish. Yeah, well, I imagine if you take, if you look back to, like, say, an in, uh, uh, an indigenous tribe, yeah, and they're hunter gatherers, yeah, and one of the kids finds a beautiful straight stick. Do the others then cover that stick? Do they do they envy him because he has that stick? No, I th I th don't they like uh, also own it? It's their stick as well. I read this account once with the, the, this anthro anthropologist. He, you know, was studying some indigenous people, and and he discovered that some of them had taken his camera and some some of his things, and he he complained that they were stealing them from him. And they said, "Well, you're living in our village, so it's is my camera now, <laughs> also, you know." Ah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So they share. You can't generalize. I mean, I'm sure all indigenous cultures are different, but uh, there are some similarities. And uh, I remember. I mean, we. I mean, I, I. I can't say I have lived fully in an indigenous uh, community, but w when we were in Peru uh, doing the ayahuasca, I had my little hut where I was sleeping. I only had like uh, 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 my. Uh, where so I could listen to music on headphones and a, a couple of books and some clothes. You don't need much clothes. 
and I didn't really have. I mean, I could probably throw away a few few of the things I had. So I I could probably, if I had like uh, three or four of the items I brought with me, uh, I could have been fine. And I I don't remember missing anything of all the stuff I have where I am now. You know, uh, it was quite nice not having all those things. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have a lot of things. I have a lot of bric-a-brac took for things I I keep for for uh, sentimental reasons. You know, stones and <laughs> uh, items. You know, uh, trinkets that I bring back from places I visit. But they're not super important. You know, I won't die without them. When I talk about indigenous cultures to modern people uh one thing they find the hardest to agree on is this concept of inheritance that y- we shouldn't have it i've heard you mention this before are, are you talking about a specific indigenous culture or or most yeah most i mean they they usually like burn the th- things because the things that person has is what that person has built him or herself and uh, the children I mean, if if there's an accident and the children are very small, it's maybe different. But if the children are adults, I mean, they don't need anything of the parents' stuff, you know. <laughs> and there's no money, so I mean, you, you know, the, the 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 drawback of inheritance is shown today here. Like, I just, I'll, I'll just pick Britain for instance. You know, we had the baby boomers. You know, like after the war, you know, people were encouraged to have big families and. You know, and they went through a time when uh, a lot, a lot of the housing in Britain was council housing built after the war, and then uh, in Thatcherism, she allowed people to buy them houses, which they did, and got what I would call a cheap price. Um, which obviously, with the housing today, uh, the inflation in housing prices, what what someone bought. That in them days, for say ten thousand pounds, today's worth hundreds of thousands of pounds. Other people now, you have you have a sort of a, a split society where some people continue to rent. Now their children, who are absolutely the same as the children of the people who bought, will, have already got a disadvantage because when their parents, when the parents of the people who, who bought their houses die, they'll then children will inherit them. Possibly as a second home, so they'll be able to sell that for uh, disposable income. Yeah. Whereas those who of the of the families who rented, they'll have nothing. So we'll, we'll immediately create a split society of haves and have-nots. Yeah. Yeah, and yes, yeah, so I think inheritance is is a big problem, and and uh, also it makes you not. Uh, have any responsibility for your own life if you win the lottery or if you sell your company and you get this much money your grandchildren will be well off you know like but that means they won't have to do anything so they just be like useless people who just lie about (laughs) i think two two i think i've got two trains of thought on that uh one train of thought says that's a possibility yeah but the other train of thought says human nature Need we need to be felt uh, to have a, feel, a feeling of usefulness, yeah. So we will do things, even if even if we were given all that money, you wouldn't sit back and do nothing. Some some would, 
because I think that the ones that would have probably have a bit of a mental problem. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it's very common for people who win the lottery, which is the same as getting an inheritance in a way that they commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, it's it's thrust upon them. It's like it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, everybody thinks that with money, all their problems will be solved, and then when they find out it's not, that's got to be a really big come down. Money, money doesn't solve problem that that many problems, you know. But now uh, you're soon out of work because of your injuries and heart attacks so y- your income will be lower and um, how do you think that will affect your happiness uh, it won't at all <laughs> uh, money, that, money isn't what makes me happy yeah but you can't go maybe as much you've been traveling a lot maybe you can't travel as much then maybe I'll be more choosy <laughs> about Saving up and shit to travel, but uh, I have tra- I have travelled a bit. I wouldn't say as much as I would like to have done, but uh, you know, as you get older and you get physical ailments and that, you know, obviously travelling isn't such a sort of a what's the word? You know, it's all, I'm not I'm not drawn to travel that much. You know, I mean, the world the world's been open to everybody via the internet. I can see. Uh, it's not the same as experiencing it for yourself, but I can, at least I can get some sort of experience of what's going on around the world. Yeah. Which, in, you know, when I was a child, that wouldn't have happened. You know, I, 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 if it wasn't on TV, I wouldn't know about it. You know. I tried uh, virtual reality a bit more uh, now, and uh, uh, when you when you have virtual reality, you like when you log into it. You kind of have like a a desktop or like an area where you pick what game you want to play or what you want to do. And this area you can, you know, choose or buy or whatever, fix yourself. And uh, there was an acquaintance of mine. So his area was this house on top of a mountain. And you could walk out and look around. And he, he he lives in a small apartment. But when you go into the virtual reality, it's this huge house on top of a mountain. And it looks very realistic. And uh, uh, I walked into the wall more than once. <laughs> because I was like, I, I completely lost myself in that world. And uh, it is quite amazing, actually. When you, say, when, when you say you walked into a wall, do you mean you physically walked into a wall? Yeah, physically. Oh, right. So to, to operate this virtual reality, you have to actually walk around. No, no. Uh, you, you, you have uh, something in each hand that you can use to to walk around, but it looks so real. So you like forget. You know, I forgot. I just walked straight ahead, and then um, also there were things behind me. In the beginning, there were things behind me that I had to look at, and I tried to figure out with the controls how to turn around. And then the guy said, turn your head. And and that's when I, when he said that, and I turned my head and I realized, oh, you know, that, that was the thing where I lost myself in the world because I was in it, you know. All right. Just could, you, could you describe the equipment that you need to use? Well, he had, uh, I think it was called uh, the HTC Vive, which is, I think is one of the best, better ones. Because uh, you have two controls, 
one in each hand. The Oculus Rift, you have a like a controller that you hold with both hands, which is stupid when you think about it. Because you want both hands to be free and separate like in reality. And uh, there's this one where you can be at the bottom of the sea and you can watch a whale go by. And it's and you really feel the the size of it. You know, it's quite amazing. And uh, that 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 could be a bit frightening, actually, couldn't it? Because we might we may end up with everybody living that way. Yeah, but you can commit genocide in VR without any issues. You know, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just you know, it's, nobody dies for real. So they can have all the wars and all the conflicts in the VR instead. Now you're bordering on the edge of where I said I flip between two worlds of my spirituality and reality. You know, you're bordering on the edge of that. Are we already there? Yeah, that could be, you know, because... Yeah, when we kill all these thousands that are dying, are, are they spiritually dying? If this reality is a virtual reality, then you... If if it means then that you can kill people and they don't really get hurt really because they just get out of the virtual reality and they wake up somewhere else, but uh, you're still like a dickhead because so people don't start to believe that <laughs> that this is a virtual reality <laughs> and that they can go around willy-nilly killing whoever they like. Yeah, that's that's a very important point also because we don't know. <laughs> But I suspect that it is like that. But what I'm trying to say is that if you... uh, uh, Because, you know, what happens in Grand Theft Auto is if you go around killing people, eventually you'll get too many cops on you and eventually you die, so you lose the game. Um, So, I mean, if you walk around and kill people, you, you would lose this game, I imagine. So when you eventually die and you go to heaven or whatever it's called, then you'll get a low score. See, if you, if you developed a game that where you could actually block the person's memory so they're born into the game, yeah, uh, they wouldn't know. They would have no... If they killed someone in that game, they meant to kill that person. They meant to take a life. They had no knowledge that it didn't matter, you know? And then when they're out of the game, they will learn something about themselves, I imagine. I, t- I told you about a lucid dream I had, didn't I? Well, well I, I, I've tried lucid dreaming for years, and I've never been successful. And then just recently, I've, I've had to, probably half a dozen sort of lucid dreams, not all as impressive as each other. But one of them where I was totally lucid, I went into a building with some people, and we needed to go down a certain corridor, and there was a security guy there, yeah? And he walked up to tell us that we couldn't go down there. And I just grabbed his hand and broke his fingers because I knew it was a lucid dream and it didn't matter. When I woke up, and, I, and even today, I still feel guilt about having done that. See, I was watching, I watched the Matrix trilogy the other day because I, I, I don't fully understand the end of the Matrix. You know, uh, you know I just, anyone can put their interpretation on it, but... What I did realise is, do you know the, the bit where they go to rescue Morpheus and they go in on the ground floor and they're fully armed to the teeth? When they're killing them people, they are really killing them people. It's not the Matrix, because them people are representations of the bodies that are in them pods, yeah? 
So when they shoot that body, and as you know, they can die in the matrix. If they get shot in the matrix, they actually die. They are killing the people in the pods. So they are actually killing them people. And then people are totally innocent. They haven't done anything. Yeah, uh, that's a good point, actually. That that could answer if you the the thing about if this is a virtual reality, then you are then you can kill people and you know they won't get hurt. But you are actually pushing them out of the game, so you are ruining their game. Uh, whereas, so if if I kill lots of people, not they just wake up in another world, and eventually when I get to that world, they'll say like, hey. You ruined my game. You killed me too early. I had lots of things left to do, you know. I was enjoying my family. <laughs> and that can be applied also to if you, like, rape people. Then, uh, you know, the, after that experience is over and you meet those people you raped in the next life, they, they might go like, look, you made my game really horrible. You ruined the experience for me. So, yeah, maybe if you look at it like that, then... Yeah, uh, actually, I think this is a very good idea uh, where instead of thinking that you should help and love other people or what you what you should do right or wrong, maybe when you live your life, you should think, I'm going to make this game really fun for everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, that is, that, is the, that is a really good way of looking at life, isn't it? Be a good, I'm going to be the best playmate, uh, play date the best play date for everybody yeah that's a good way of looking at it i like that yeah that's a good note to finish on and uh, everybody who listens should uh, think about that when the rest of this day or night that they should uh, uh, make anybody they meet have a great game yeah i'll just like to, what, what, can i make one point before yeah. i go to finish on people should realize that the jedi are terrorists <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true And do you have any website where people can check out your work? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do a replay of something Mark said. And the reason I want to do this is because there was something in his voice. There was a tone in his voice that said more than the words. And it was in regards to me asking him if he was going to do uh, DMT or, or psychedelics again. And this is what it sounded like. But you're never smoking DMT again, you don't think? I'm not saying there isn't more to see, but I've seen enough. But I've seen but enough. I've seen enough. And I can relate to that uh, often because sometimes you get very tired. I know when you do like several ayahuasca ceremonies in a row, by the end you're like, oh, my! I just, I don't have the energy to see more, you know. I have seen enough. Uh, and... <laughs> If you like this episode and this podcast, I hope you support it by sharing it in social media and with friends or writing a nice review on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist and become a patron. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash 
Natural Born Alchemist. And if you become a patron, you will be able to access a lot of deleted additional and exclusive material, as well as being able to listen to these podcasts as they come out way before everybody else. And I enjoy doing this additional material. It's quite fun. And don't think it's like the secret order of the skull and bones. But in a way it is, because when you're a patron, you enter an exclusive circle of people who support the great work of alchemy. And many people don't think psychedelics has anything to do with alchemy. But I disagree, because for me, shamanism has everything to do with psychedelics. And shamanism is the source. Shamanism is what alchemy is. It's the same thing. Alchemy is just a modern version of shamanism. And before I close this episode, I also want to say that, and it needs repeating now and again, the logo for this podcast is a representation of somebody, a spiritual pilgrim in fact, of somebody who crosses the boundary of this reality and enters another. It is not an image that proves the world is flat. Because the world is not flat. There is no world. Here's a hummingbird from the album Woven Songs of the Amazon. A beautiful Ikaru. Have a good week or a good evening or morning depending on when you are listening to this freedom is in the mind Agarradita kunanaina, agarradita kunanaina. Picablosito kunanaina, picablosito kunanaina. Picablosito kunanaina, picablosito kunanaina. Tocando su corazoncito, tocando su corazoncito. Con su flechita kunanaina. Abrazadita conanaina, abrazadita conanaina, abrazadita conanaina, tarayra reina reina reina. Pensando eso cuerpecito, pensando eso cuerpecito, tarararaira reina reina, tarayra reina reina reina. Agarradita conanaina, agarradita conanaina, agarradita en su manito, tarararaira, siguiendo su energía, siguiendo su energía, tarararaira, siga sigando, siga sito. Va caminando, caminando, va caminando, caminando, va siguiendo, va siguiendo, ta